Hey there. <laughs> on our play for this week, we pour one out for the most recent news on E3 2023. Are we excited about Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom after Nintendo dropped 10 minutes of gameplay footage? What triggered Activision's boss Bobby Kotek to feel threatened by NetEase's boss? All this and more as we get to Season 7, Episode 13 of Press X to Start Gamers Digest. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, DJ, a.k.a. Sexy a.k.a. Stimmy Timmy. I am joined by... Sean M.F. Ross. What the MF stand for? Frederico Love. Ooh. Ooh. This guy does the bachata. I don't know. I don't know. Who else is here? Hi, everyone. It's me, Avery. Hi, Avery. How are you doing? Uh, days have their ups and downs. That's true. Okay. Present Star Gamers Digest is a video podcast that condensed the most important gaming news from the past week into an hour-long meal just for you. We are live on YouTube right now every Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hello, you people. Hello, YouTube. Hello, world. I hope you have a napkin on your lap and you're ready for us to feed you. Yes. All right. Also, you know, don't forget, please support us by liking the video, subscribing to the channel, hit the notification bell. Because you need to do those three things. And if you are listening but not watching, not shame on you. We appreciate your listen. But also, you know, give us a watch. That'd be nice. We need those numbers to go up. You can leave us a review on the podcast service you are using. And we'd greatly appreciate that. If you want to join our conversations, you can by joining our Discord at pressxnumber2start.com slash Discord. Cool. That's it. We did it. Not the end of the podcast. It's the end of the intro. Avery, let's get into the gaming news. Yes. Okay, uh, so the first <laughs> biggest piece of gaming news is pour one out for your, your boys at the ESA. This is from IGN, from Rebecca Valentine. E3 has been canceled. Here's a quote from the article. The show did not garner the same interest necessary. This is in the wake of pretty much every major publisher pulling out. The big three uh, pretty much said at the front they weren't going to be there. Uh, it was clear that Sony was never going to be there. But there was always a chance that Microsoft and maybe Nintendo would be involved in some way. Both of them made it openly clear that they're all pulling out. Then uh, Ubisoft was the big like holdout of, yeah, we'll do E3. And then Ubisoft pulled out. Uh, and then Sega and the remainder of major publishers pulled out, leaving nothing. And the ESA had to sort of like come to the public hat in hand and say, E3 has been canceled. And there are a lot of mixed feelings going on. Not, not even mixed feelings. The, the prevailing theory is uh, Rip Bozo. We're fine with E3 being canceled. No one wants this show anymore. Uh, I have more mixed feelings on that. But uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, before we get into our feelings, I would like to say one thing where I would like to formally apologize to Ubisoft CEO. Is it, is it Yves Gilmore? Yeah, mm -hmm. Yves Gilmore. Yeah, when he had that quote about if E3 is even still happening. I mean, obviously, you know, we weren't privy to the information of the, the chaos that was going on behind the scenes, but him being CEO and just, you know, supposed to get these plans, he obviously didn't get the plans. So to him, he didn't know if uh, E3 was happening. Turns out it's not happening. So, yes, I formally apologize to you because we know that you watch us and you enjoy our content, except for that <laughs> one episode. So. Sorry. So yeah, uh, let's get into our feelings on this. Uh, Sean, how do you feel about E3 uh, going away for this year? Um, I'm not gonna say I'm upset, but uh, it would have been nice in my lifetime to go there at some point. But uh, I feel like this is a natural progression of where it was gonna go anyway. I think the pandemic just accelerated it. Yeah, yeah, and it's not even um because Nintendo started doing their tree houses or Sony started doing their uh, state of plays and what have you. This is just the natural progression of the uh, democratization of just getting your media out there to your customers. You the don't need a centralized yeah. place to do it all. You can do it yourself. Right. Yeah, like this 
this hurts because I, you know, we we all we're all around the same age. We all grew up around the whole like fanfare of of E3 and like getting to sit back and watch for those like couple of days of like all the biggest announcements happening that one week. And it's like that is now the good old days where it's just like, okay, you know what's gonna happen. Like it was like appointment TV watching for us. So it sucks that E3 is gone this year. I also want to say that, you know, it's canceled for this year. You know, ESA isn't like, all right, well, we're all packing up shot, guys, we're done. It's possible that this might happen. But like, yeah, so yeah, I, I, I'm along the same lines as Avery Burke. I think like they will come back next year and they, they just need to figure this. No, no, we're on. I'm on the opposite. I think this. Is oh, you think it's gone forever? Yeah, I think okay. the, the elephant in the room, this entire E3 thing is that Jeff Keighley in his Summer Games Fest and what that is. I've made no bones about the fact that I generally prefer E3 as a product to Summer Games Fest. Watching 20 conferences during a period of three months with the only cohesion between them being that Jeff Keighley is tweeting them out isn't as enjoyable as a watching experience than a solid one week of games coverage where, like, okay, one person goes this day, one person goes this day, one person goes this day. There's absolutely no conflict of interest, and for the most part, because everyone's moving so uh, in tandem, there is no overlap in games. What's probably going to happen is that, hey, uh, Square Enix is going to have a conference, but guess what? They're going to be also at the Sony conference. They're going to show the exact same content at both conferences. Xbox is going to have, uh, let's just say, a Capcom game at their conference. Cool, that Capcom game is going to be at the Capcom conference. One of the big issues that I generally have is that most developers are only going to be showing off content that's going to be in their next year of development. And most publishers don't have enough content to really sustain massive shows on a regular basis. But now without E3 to coalesce everything, they all have to figure out a way to put the marketing beat out there. Yeah, I, I'm in totally in lines with you in terms of what Summer Game Fest is, even though, you know, good job on Jeff Keighley for like having a product that is going to be around this year whereas e3 is not but yeah like i really do appreciate the fact that e3 is just one week and it's just as you say like there's not really any overlap with the games being shown because everyone is on a one like particular schedule whereas summer game fest last year like you know jeff grubbs he has his whole summer game mess thing and it's just like yeah that's that's what it ends up being because there is no person, there's no entity to rile everyone down yeah, to one Jeff, schedule. Yeah, Jeff isn't in control of Summer Games Fest. He's merely right. just, hey guys, just be part of this. Everyone else is choosing things. This is not Jeff going to Sony, you go this day. Microsoft, you go this day. Pretty much everyone has already picked their dates, and this is just Jeff putting out his time blasts around them. Right. Now, yeah. that being said, while I am generally critical of the uh, way Summer Game Fest goes, I think his Game Fest kickoff for the most part, should be pretty good. We'll see if we're going to get another, because they usually end. It's like, it's a weird thing. It starts in the summer, then doesn't really end until fall, because he ends it with the uh, uh, Gamescom thing. Opening Night Live. Yeah, my problem with the Gamescom thing is I didn't realize it till this year with how EU-focused it was. And as a direct result, mm -hmm. it's a weird mismatching of games. A lot of Focus Home Interactive, where I discovered for the first time they were a publisher. Um, <laughs> I, beyond all that, my misgivings, I do think the actual meat of what Summer Games Fest is, is Jeff doing his Summer Games Fest play dates and things like that, which mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think is going to get as big as it's going to be a consumer-focused thing, which is one yeah. of those things where, like, it's, it is what it is, but it, that Summer play day thing should fulfill the same role that E3. Well, I've been very positive about my feelings with E3 and how I love it. I will be the first to tell you that at a certain point, the conferences became just who can one up the other one the most in presentation and spending so much money to just get mean to all hell afterwards by people who just inherently do not see your vision on either side. I think to Sean's point, I like the democratization of content rollout and like people putting out content when they feel possible and controlling their own marketing initiatives and not having to base everything on E3. I think that's better for the industry. I just don't think we need Summer Games Fest as a bow to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, like for, for how it is structured right now, like, I would hope, I would love to see ESA come hat in hand to Jeff Keeling, like, hey, look, yeah, look, this is done. Like, if E3 is, like, over, over, like, ESA come to Jeff Keeling, like, hey, look, this is done. What we're going to do, or what we would like to do, is create some kind of intermediate between Summer Game Fest and E3, where it is a convention or something 
but Jeff Keeley is running it. It's the thing where he can use the power of ESA slash E3 to rile the publishers in like, hey, look, this is the schedule we're going to do. Because I feel I, like that, that would be a thing that everyone wants because as quote unquote popular as Summer Game Fest is, no one really had a good time sitting through the months of like, okay, well, what's coming up now? Like, all right, I, okay, I, I guess I'll just watch this thing now. And then it's like, oh, then this other event that's happening. It was It was a mess. So there needs to be some kind of gathering of the publishers and like an agreement upon a schedule but as it is right now with e3 going away there is no control over that anymore i think that the relationship between jeff Keeley and the esa is irreparably broken i don't think there's any yeah. way those two are coming to terms on anything i think the esa is gonna have to figure out what they want to do next i don't necessarily think we're getting another e3 next year because i think that the summer games fest train is going to keep like pushing forward and getting bigger and bigger and jeff's going to get not even more power. Because, like, if, if you've seen the marketing, his self-promotion with Summer Games Fest, every time there's even a little bit of news of E3, he puts out a tweet that is, like, doubling down on, like, yeah. why he's a better choice. So there's no way he's going to, like, A, go back under the thumb of the ESA, and B, uh, like... Well, it wouldn't be him going back under the thumb of the ESA. It'd be ESA going to him, like, hey, look, you can lead this thing because we're I, obviously I, incapable. I, I, I don't think the ESA is just going to give him the keys. Like the relationship you're asking is essentially it's like a major culture of people saying, "Hey, our product is bad." Uh, well, it is. I don't necessarily think so. Uh, <laughs> I think it's old. I don't think necessarily bad. I, but I, when I say bad, I mean like it's it's going along the lines of being irrelevant. Yes, irrelevant makes sense. Yeah, but I don't yeah. necessarily think it's bad. I like uh, yeah. most comic books are uh, irrelevant in the grand scheme of entertainment, but like I wouldn't sit there and say they're inherently bad. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't think that group and body is going to give him carte blanche to do everything, especially when they have other things to do. And like, it's that's not a hero there. But yeah, I think this is the end of E3 as we know it. I think if they mm. ESA comes back, I don't think we get another E3 next year. This is the shit get off the pot. And I think next year, because here's the thing: one of the reasons why Jeff Keighley is not going to take over E3 is because the Summer Games Fest branding is so in synergy with his three shows. True. That I think he wants to keep that momentum forward where he's the only game in town. And the issue is, if he works with ESA and they give him control and he puts out a good conference, what is the say they just say? I right, cool, fuck it. We don't need you again for next year because now we have the framework to do what we want to do better now. Yeah, I, I can I can agree with that. I just I would like to be more um, condensing of the stuff. Now yeah. that, that's that's my issue with Summer Game Fest, and that's the thing that I would like to see Jeff Keeley work on now that E3 is not gonna be a thing and like that's what e3 was yeah jeff jeff's not gonna have any power over this yeah exactly exactly yeah, yeah. okay so our next story is revolving one of our favorite members of the video game uh, industry uh this is from Eurogamer. this is from tom phillips activism boss bobby kodak reportedly felt threatened by net e ceo so a couple weeks ago we talked about how well a couple i think a couple months ago abk pulled all of their content from china uh they had an agreement with NetEve that fell through. NetEve had a live stream of them removing Activism Blizzard content from their campus, which was <laughs> an interesting choice. Yeah. And we had no real information for why they would do this, because it literally made no sense. Now it's clear uh, from a, a Bloomberg... Yes, I think it was an original... No, it was a New York Times article, so shout out to their journalism, who gave us the real information, and this is just uh, your gamer just summarizing it and stuff. The main part of conceit is that NetEase was never happy with their contract with Activist and Blizzard. From all apparent sources, Activist and Blizzard was taking advantage of them in, uh, in their relationship. There's new regulation in China in regards to games and entertainment. So NetEase wanted to renegotiate their contract to be more fair to them and deal with what's going on in China. At some point, Bobby Kotick, in the middle of all this, got slighted in some way or shape or form. There's also a weird miscommunication where he believed that NetEase was going to use their relationship with the Chinese government to, quote-unquote, block the Activision Blizzard deal with uh, Microsoft. And so he made the executive decision of being like, right, fuck it, we don't need them. And they moved on and pulled all their content from uh, China, which is going to be an interesting thing that Microsoft is going to have to deal with going forward when they absorb Activision Blizzard into their branch yeah. and how that all works. But yeah. Uh, I Although I feel like Microsoft might have better relations with China than Bobby Kotek and his... Uh... It, it depends. It depends. Because as far yeah. as I'm aware of, every game in China has to be, like, approved. 
It's not like a Microsoft has a blank deal that all our games get like uh, approval. It's more like, all right, there's a review process and every piece of content that goes into China has to be reviewed. Yeah, but isn't like Windows, isn't that in China? They don't have their own proprietary OS, do they? Like that's, that's what I mean in terms of like, like Microsoft is it's such a big company where they, they have those connections that can filter down. Yeah, but like, to be fair, I think Xbox being in China is still a new thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Xbox being overseas is a new thing, <laughs> and not not. This is not even a slate against the content. I think like play, yeah, PlayStation, yeah, yeah. all the all the entertainment products. China has been operating for a long time in an underground ring when it comes to video games. In that, like, yeah. China is very restrictive on content coming in and out. So, yeah, uh, yeah. You couldn't just walk into a store and buy any of that stuff. Yeah, I like that. I, I think I talked about this before. Valorant is a three-year-old game. They just got the go-ahead to be released in China. And there's already been a Chinese circuit of Valorant professional play. So the game is in oh, wow. there, in China, illegally, yeah. but the Chinese government has not approved it. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So yeah, uh, jog on the Bobby Kodak. Uh, you were a horrible boss, and I can't wait for you to get your golden parachute <laughs> and disappear from uh, the video game industry. Well, at least I hope you disappear from the video game industry. Yeah. You never know. Somebody's going like... to take him. He makes money. No, I don't Somebody's think he's going to take him. him. I think he's going to start his own company again. Like, he's just going to build another thing that's going to make him money like he's good at making money he's just got to help whoever goes to work him. i know it's gonna be him and the uh the, the coo whatever that lady name is. CCO, cco cco there you go yeah oh my gosh but yeah it's i i feel like you know the the easiest and simplest answer is it was a translation error and he just took it the wrong way and he led with his pride and he just like, well, we don't need them because our X's and O's look good. So whatever, we're out. Peace out, homies. And he walked away and they're like, oh, well, that's, that's just stupid. So, yeah. Yeah. I continue to feel bad for all the Chinese players of video games. I even feel especially bad for the Overwatch players in that, guess what? China was probably one of the biggest markets for the Overwatch League. And because of this, they've lost that entire market because it, now it's kind of hard for those gamers to play and or watch Pro uh, Overwatch. Yikes. So our next story, this is from Chris Gullion from VGC. Nintendo shows 10 minutes of Tears of the Kingdom gameplay. So for the most part, we got a 10-minute video from uh, Asia Numa, the uh, creative director of, uh, well, series producer for the Legend of Zelda franchise. I'm not sure if he's creative director of this game based on his uh, placement in the Nintendo hierarchy. I don't think he is, but I'm not going to make any assumptions. Uh, so yeah, they just showed off a bunch of footage of the game, which has been relatively video silent outside of two uh, sort of like uh, world tone pieces being trailers. Uh, and they showcase a Link exploring uh, this new version of Hyrule and showed off three of his new abilities. One being the more mundane uh, Ascend, which is, from what I can guess, is them dealing with people apparently having an issue navigating uh, dungeons and things in that game. Uh, what Ascend does is it takes Link's character model and just shoots him into the air as long as there's a uh, ceiling above him. So it's uh, essentially, from what people describe it as, it's an instant escape from uh, any sort of uh, enclosed encasing, and it's actually a new bit of traversal to get him to higher areas. They also revealed his ability of uh, Rewind, which allows him to take an object and using the game's uh, physics engine, manipulate that object on the timeline of its movement. So, for example, uh, if an object from the sky fell, he could then use Rewind to manipulate that object and move it into the air. Uh, and they talked about how using that as a way to navigate the big new set piece of these area, which are the sky islands in the game, which hover into the air. And they also made it clear that there is... Skypea. Yeah, instantaneous uh, traversal between land and uh, ground. No load um, screen. Land and sky. So there's no effectively load screens. If you fall off an area, you can instantly uh, land, uh, hot drop wherever, wherever you want. And then the biggest new feature, which everyone is assuming why this game is development is taking as long as it is, is they reveal the last of his new abilities. It's called Fuse, which allows Link to take two objects, items in the world. And if anyone has seen the item table for the original Breath of the Wild, they have a lot of things. And you can now fuse those objects together and as a direct result, share their properties together. So if he could equip yeah. a stick to a, uh, a pitchfork, it would turn it into a longer pitchfork. He could take like alchemic materials for like a cold slime that you could get and equip that to mm -hmm. an arrow, and suddenly now you have an ice arrow and things of that nature. 
like a monster eye onto the arrow and it's like a tracking it's arrow. a holding thing yeah uh yeah it's a interesting showcase that has left a lot of uh breath of the wild fans extremely excited yes i think that's a good way of, of saying it i i All so right. want to go back and finish the first game i'm literally okay. one divine beast away from beating it i only did one divine beast i think i played three hours of the game <laughs> I, I, here's the thing. What's even funnier is I have two playthroughs of this game. One on Wii U and one on Switch. Uh, the Wii U one, I only got two Divine Beasts. The Switch one, I got through three and said, nah, I'm good. I'll maybe get yeah. back to it. If, if it's I not think clear, it was too much for me to explore. If it's not mm. clear, this is only on the docket mm. because it's a SEO news story that I think is generally good <laughs> because we are not the audience for this game. Like, I but look, Here's the thing, though. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Fin- finish because I I'm gonna. I'll give my my piece, but you could continue. You know, uh, I think we've all been transparent about how we all felt underwhelmed by the original Breath of the Wild, and we weren't singing his praises at that time. Uh, so for me, this game would have had to do a lot to really get me excited because I didn't really truly enjoy my time playing this game. And if you're telling me this is just a the same game but more, I'm like, you gotta do a little bit more. And the one thing I wanted out of this was show me dungeons. If you put traditional mm-hmm. Legend of Zelda dungeons and exploration and puzzle solving in this game, I will be excited for this. But as far as I can tell, it seems to be very much, here's the original Breath of the Wild. We're adding new areas to explore via the Sky Islands. And we added new uh, systems on top of everything to uh, um, add more depth to its exploration. But Do you think there's going to be dungeons? There Do you think is... Nintendo's just holding that back? I don't know. Because here's the thing, okay. I'm in the minority of people who like didn't one of the reasons who didn't enjoy this game. You wanted your like, traditional long dungeon, not these short little things that have one gimmick to it. Yeah, I feel I, you. Yeah, I I mean the minority. I've been, always been in the minority. When the game popped mm-hmm. up and there was like, oh man, I love this. I'm like, nah, man. I'm the type of dude if you did the exact fucking same formula of this game, but gave it new <laughs> settings, new equipment, and just cooler dungeons, I am with you forever. And they flipped, <laughs> they flipped the Switch and they made a game that was interesting in new directions, but it didn't feel to me like a Zelda game. I just generally didn't have fun playing it. So I'm looking yeah. at this game and I'm like, man, I'm just not excited for this game. Like, Fuse seems mm. to be the most dumbest ability of all time to build an entire system. Really? Around. Yeah. Like, the so, building, the building okay. machines part of it and traversal yeah. machines, that is a cool thing. But building weapons, that's one of those things where I'm like, I will not enjoy this as much as I didn't enjoy weapon degradation in the first place. This could have been a whole nother franchise. Well, I mean, that's what Nintendo does, though. They, they, they stuff a bunch of stuff into their known quantities and they just build off of that. But like, yeah, I, I generally like Breath of the Wild didn't do it for me. My transition has been from Breath of the Wild to Horizon to Genshin Impact. I think now. I am a very different gamer from t- what, 2016 in terms of like the things that I have just spent my hours in and like things that I can enjoy. And I got to tell you what they showed. It, it checked all my boxes. Like I absolutely love the fuse mechanic. My hope is that the mechanic extends beyond to just wood or, or like branches and rocks. And like you can really do some like really interesting and crazy weaponry. Then, you know, this is Nintendo. Oh, you're, think- you're muted. Yeah, I'm sorry. I think the extent of the fuse mechanic is essentially going to be anything that Link can pick up and put in his inventory. Yeah. So that's the extent of it. Yeah. So in my mind, like, I'm hoping that that is a thing that is really, really flushed out and it's like really fun because I do like crafting in that way. So when they showed the, oh, you put the mushroom on the shield and now you create like a little smoke cloud thing, it's like, hey, that's pretty cool. My thing with that, and one of my one of my okay, so one of my biggest frustrations with the original Breath of the Wild was weapon degradation. It it okay. did uh, incentivize you as a player to experiment with objects and items, but it was incredibly frustrating to get used to okay, uh, playing this game a certain way, and then ah, I guess this sword just decides to break right now. I gotta use up one of the fifteen other items in my inventory that I just don't want to use. And my feeling with this is that it's going to have the exact same feeling. But mm-hmm. it's uh, up to 11 because now it's a double version of resource management. It's, I, I better, this thing is going to last maybe a couple of fights, then break, and I can't use it before I want to use it again. I better have the exact same set of materials I had to begin with to do so. And I'm like, ah, that doesn't seem fun to me. 
I think the only caveat I will say is that it seems that like in terms of like the finer details is that when you do a fuse, you reset the the degradation bar or whatever. So it Hopefully lasts longer. Yeah, because it seemed like that's what it was for the stick. But the hope is that like they're also hearing the fact that people had such a big issue with that. And yeah, they're gonna they're gonna keep it in this game, but they're also going to do things that allow us to to better manage that stuff, I guess. Like, uh, you know. I, I don't think so. I think the, I think they're <laughs> I think they're hell bent on rapid durability as like a factor of this game in their playstyle. Mm -hmm. It's like one of the things I was also interested to see in this is that they don't really showcase any new weapons or items in this in yeah. the trailer. They just show yeah. Link making items and weapons with the weapon that, with the fusing ability. And I'm like, yeah, that is the question mark because at the end of the game, you spoiler end with the master sword, which is the only weapon that cannot be degraded except for it has yeah. this weird recharge mechanic. That means you can only use it for a set amount of time before you need to recharge for a certain amount of times. So the question is, I'm going into this game is fusing going to be the only way you're going to be able to manipulate weaponry in this game and using the master sword like as like a side thing, or is there another fleet of new weapons and things? And then that gets to the question of why do I want to fuse two sticks together? When I could just, you know, get a sword that you'd find. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's that's where my question is, is what the actual fusion looks like mid to late game. Because like, yeah, like you're picking up sticks, you're fusing rocks to sticks, you got a hammer, cool, cool, cool. You pick up a stick, you fuse it to a rake, now you, you got a pokey pokey rake. So it's like, that's all great and all, but I I wanna know, like, all right, well, the I guess the hope is that the fusion extends to more cooler looking things when you put them together and like, oh, maybe you're, you're fusing together the Master Sword or something because in the logo, it looks like it's deteriorating or breaking up or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. But like, I'm, I'm hoping that what they're showing us is just a tip of the iceberg. Yeah. And then my, my last thing to say about the fusing thing, the only cool thing I thought about the fusing thing was fusing arrows. Because like, mm -hmm. Everything breaks in the original Breath of the Wild, including bows. So if you got a cool bow that did elemental damage, you're kind of shit out of luck and it broke. But this now says, like, I can use whatever fucking bow I want, not care if it's effects. And as long as I have the right. materials, I can instantly make ice arrows. I can instantly make fire arrows. I can instantly make bomb arrows. And, hey, I can instantly make homing arrows. So that's cool. But, yeah, uh, my general feelings on this game before we move on to the next story is that I'm excited for the people who are excited for this game. I'm probably not going to pick this up I'd like just because of how I feel about the original Breath of the Wild because it doesn't fundamentally look like a fundamental change to what I want out of Breath of the Wild. Uh, and I'm still on this crusade about the Switch being a poor system and this being like, oh man, this still does not look great. <laughs> yeah, my, my last thing is like, if they can get this game to run well with all the stuff in it and the fact that there's, I guess, no loading screens between the Sky Islands and the ground, they need to win like the 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 dice awards in 2024 because but that's ridiculous. People are already flying in the original one, were they not? What? Flying? What do you mean? Yeah, and the first they I mean they already have like Sky Islands in the first Breath of the Wild. Did they? Uh, with that expansion, I, yes. Oh, oh, I don't I don't know about the expansion. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, I well perhaps to them then. I mean, it's but, not um, that much of a stretch, but I hear you. Yeah. So yeah, like for me the only issue that I'm going to have with this game is that I'm going to be probably knee deep in burning shores before I get this. And to go from that to, to pre-ordered burning shores last night. Oh, did you, <laughs> well, you know about me and pre-order and I'll see that, uh, the night before. <laughs> What, but yeah, what, kills, like, what kills me the most about him in DJ pre-ordering is that not he's not taking a moral stand against pre-ordering. He's just not doing it to the last second. <laughs> I weaponized my procrastination. Concerted procrastination. <laughs> so yeah, like it's just gonna be going from burning shores to tears of the kingdom is gonna be like a literal culture shock. So that's the only thing I'm just gonna be like, I have to deal with and I know I'm gonna have to deal with. But yeah, that's tears of the kingdom. I'm we're we're pretty mixed, but I'm excited. I'm probably gonna get it unless you know the world ends or something crazy happens. But um, yeah. Hey, that's the great thing. It's portable. You can play it in portable mode. You know what? That's another thing too. I'm gonna get a uh, pro controller because ain't no way I'm playing with the Switch controller with freaking Joy Joy-Con drift. I unironically use a GameCube controller for Switch. Oh gosh. Oh, you can just. Do I can do. I, I bought the wireless GameCube controller. Uh, yeah, 
which was updated to be like Switch compatible. And I realized that halfway through playing Breath of the Wild when I couldn't find my Pro Controller, I'm like, oh, I can use this. This is more comfortable than me. The GameCube the awesome. game controller is literally one of the unironically best controllers ever made. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. All right. Uh, listener and viewer, do us a solid. Please like this video. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell. That way you won't miss all this and our shorts on our channel. Uh, if you are listening, we greatly appreciate you leaving us a review. And, you know, when you get time, go jump onto our YouTube channel. Check it out. It's pretty cool. It's pretty fun. We have a lot of stuff on there. Um, yeah, that's it. Let's get back into the show. Avery, what's happening with cool. The Last of Us? All right, oh, so no. this is a... Hmm, no, I'm not going to say Rare L because it's Sony, but this is a uh, common L coming from the Sony Corporation. Uh, this is VGC from Andy Robinson. The Last of Us PC has been heavily criticized on release day for poor performance. So Sony is getting into the uh, realm of releasing their games on PC, after the fact, not a day and date thing. So when they made The Last of Us Part 1 uh, last year, uh, me and Marcus played it and said, oh, this better version of a game that was already fantastic. Uh, they waited some time, then released this game on PC, probably to get the uh, get a boost from the uh, show. Uh, and then the game came out, and it immediately got the PC mark of disapproval with horrendous Steam reviews as people like, oh, this game is poorly optimized, this game doesn't run well, there's texture issues. Uh, and add uh, nail to the coffin. Oh, it runs poorly on Steam Deck because now every game that releases on PC has to run well on Steam Deck as an objective fact of video yeah. game development. Uh, as far as I can tell, this game was developed by Iron Galaxy uh, and not Naughty Dog proper. But I can't actually be sure because I, I I heard some weird information surrounding that it might have been Naughty Dog responsible for the PC release. Uh, Sony has promised to fix the uh, issues going forward, but yeah. How do they allow this uh, to happen? I mean, this is one of your biggest uh, properties, aside from uh, God of War and maybe uh, Horizon. They delayed it for what? I they didn't delay it. No, it was no, pushed back a month, it. wasn't it? No, they didn't. Oh, was it? No, as far as I'm aware, the, the PC release. As far as I'm aware, the PC release it wasn't delayed. I'm gonna look it up. What, what I don't. <sighs> What I don't get is, in my mind, I look at like QA, right? QA probably saw these issues, reported the, the issues, and you know, higher ups were like, "It's fine." Like, go ahead, go ahead, Sean. We we reported on this. It was, I mean, it was a couple we weeks, but I mean, it was delayed. It was supposed to come out March third. It came out on March twenty eighth. Okay, so oh. to clarify, we didn't report on this. If, I feel like, like we I, talked about this. We did, uh, okay. Uh, this is a conversation that went on in our Discord about conversations that we may or may not have on the show. There is ninety <laughs> percent of the stories that get well, hundred percent of the stories that get posted in our. This actually, I probably shouldn't be talking about this on on cast. Whatever. Uh, yeah, we didn't report on this. We didn't talk about this on. We didn't, we, yeah. we, didn't report, we didn't report on this. We didn't talk about this during the cast. I was wrong. That it didn't get delayed, but it was delayed at best a month. Uh, so I didn't consider it a delay because uh, I, I, I agree. I agree. I'm just saying, like, this is one of your biggest properties that you know. Yeah, like, how, how there's no reason it should have released in this state. There's no reason it should. I, I was looking for the uh, the Greg Miller tweet about about PC players because I, I found that to be hilarious. But like, I just don't get it. I like, you know, there's there's a joke of like, well, why are you playing a console game on PC? play the game on on consoles yeah sure but if playstation goes through the the pain sake of making a pc port the port should be reflective of the actual game and for it to come out this way it's like i think who dropped the ball i think iron galaxy obviously dropped the ball i think yeah iron galaxy dropped the ball and uh, a this game was originally always developed for ps5 so like there's always the pain points of I, we're, we're having to change some architectures. Like, this game was not designed yeah. to be on PC. So this isn't yeah. just a port port. This is a, all right, we have to re-optimize this. And then there is the devil's aggravity problem with PC gaming is that there's never a one-to-one -one between everyone's rigs. What's super funny about this is the first time I heard about this game was Andy Cortez talking about it on the Kind of Funny Gamescast, talking about how great it was and how it ran well and ultra-wide, mm -hmm. and how he's had, mm -hmm. never had any problems with this, which is one of those things where I was generally shocked when I saw this, which indicates to me that there could be some just general optimization problems with the grand majority of rigs that they just well, didn't optimize for. 
Andy, Andy's rig. Cause I, I remember that, that, yeah. um, yeah, MRT, he had a 490. Yeah, he had a 490. So like, that's like top of the line too. So yeah. like, that's crazy. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's, 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 it's for optimization. And it's one yeah. of those things where if you pay attention, like PC isn't their main brand brother, like in terms of yeah, exactly. their sales. So it having a poor reception doesn't actually undercut that it as a game is objectively good. It's just poorly yeah. optimized. So at a certain point, it will be perfect. And at a certain point, people will go back and play it, especially when more and more of The Last of Us comes out. I bet they probably just hit the the budget line and was like, all right, well, we got to get this out because we got other stuff to do. Like, they got I, I, I think and so on, so. without throwing shame to Iron Galaxy, who are known for making mm-hmm. Rumble first and a bunch of other ports, I just think this team didn't know what they were doing with the content they were given. Oh, okay. uh, and just they had a deadline and like they're an independent company whose big game just went out. So they just said, fuck yeah. it. We need, we need to get this work out. Um, good point. Apparently it was uh, the oodling, cracking compression that was giving it issues. But I think it can redeem itself. That's what I was thinking. If Cyberpunk 2077 can redeem itself, this already has, you know, uh, cracking. We the PS5 compression tools. You forgot the name of them? Yeah. I think. Yeah. Did I I know the name of them? (laughs) This isn't a Cyberpunk situation. I don't think so either. No, yeah, that, oh, that's yeah. not that's not a right. Like, no, no, no. Uh, what I'm saying is, The Last if, of Us already has pedigree. Yeah. Cyberpunk came back from the dead. It launched poorly. It was a you know trash ass game. People are singing its praises now after it got updated. This already has pedigree. It just was poorly optimized. Yeah, I I, I think the very apples to oranges thing. That's why I'm like pushing back in the Cyberpunk thing because like the core difference between this and Cyberpunk is that PlayStation already made like millions of dollars of sales selling this game on. PS5. So, yeah. like, this yeah. is just in a moose boost. Well, Cyberpunk fucked up everywhere to the point where PS5 pulled it from <laughs> its stores. Yeah. I, I, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. Anywho. Okay. Uh, our next story in more PlayStation massive woes. This is from Ethan Gosses from Kotaku. PSVR headset sales sound like they're off to a really rough start. Uh, so, this is a month after the PSVR 2's launch, and from all estimates uh, from consumer branches, it's probably sold around 200 or uh, a little over 250k in terms of actual sales, which is in comparison to the original PSVR one, it's not great. Uh, PlayStation had a pretty much relatively lofty uh expectations for the console that they have never really talked about but has been reported by various sources. So, in line, it's not tracking to do well. Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, this is not surprising. This is kind of where my head was in terms of its VR platform and where the industry is in VR as a whole. So, I mean, it sucks for the people who worked on it and, you know, this is very troubling, but like, I feel like this is just kind of the market right now where VR is great, but VR is great in the bubbles. Like in terms of a general platform, I don't really see it. Like to me, I feel like the first canary in the coal mine was uh, high on life. The fact that that was just a normal game versus a VR game where when they jumped into the market, they jumped into the market with Trover Save the. Uh, they, uh, no, they jumped into the market with uh, that team made a count. Uh, no, was that Crows, Crows, Crows. I can't really tell, but the first Justin Roiland accounting plus with accounting plus. Yeah, I I think that might have been Crows. I'm not the, sure if that was the, same. the, uh, the uh, Trevor Saves the World was that team's, I guess, Squatch Games first game. But I can't, I, yeah. I'm not exactly sure if Crows, 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 and Squanch are any intimately tied together beyond Jeff and Warler. It's a neither here or there conversation. The ultimate yeah. thing about this was, I think the problem is, is that I think at least analysts are talking about how the metaverse has essentially shut up, has fucked up VR as a concept. Uh, they launched this with a, I'm not even say strong sets of games, a lot of games, most of them ports you can find on other consoles. On, on other platforms, which is it, and then they launched it at an unacceptable price for a VR headset. Like, I get the technology in it, I get that, but you essentially told me, I spend more on this headset than you spent on a PS5 for content that you're going to spend maybe 10% of your total gaming time playing. I would have jumped into this and jumped onto the, uh, the sinking boat out of my love for VR. But when they launched it at like 500 plus dollars, I'm like, I can't afford to do this when like, the yeah. only game I'm probably going to be playing is Horizon, and then they've shown me nothing else afterwards. Yeah, like I, I'll 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 say it again. I think it was very telling for the fact that you know their launch lineup 
didn't include an Astrobot game. Um, Beat Saber wasn't even like ready to go. They were still developing it. Like it just as a person who had VR one and needed to be convinced to buy VR two, that lineup of games didn't do it for me. And I'm pretty sure there was a bunch of people out there who were in the same boat as me and were in terms of like, yeah, you had VR one, you had a good time, but yeah, you just didn't use it that much. And now that there is a new VR two and it's even more expensive than the base console that you're playing the games on. It's like, what is happening? Like, and I think I said this before that felt like a very PS three, like error move right there, which is like, no, nah, you guys are going to, you're going to buy it because it's, it's PlayStation VR two. Come on now. And the industry thought the industry spoke. Yeah. Sean, how do you feel about this as the only person on here with a PSVR 2? Um, I enjoy it when I do play it. Um, I really think the pricing was a result of the market, you know, chip shortage, all that good stuff, pandemic, what have you. And I think they just couldn't afford to take as much of a hit as they may have wanted to to lower the price. Mm. But um, it's solid hardware. They just need to keep the games coming. I don't regret yeah. buying it. Yeah. Well, that's good, though. Like, yeah. as long as you don't regret it. I mean, I think that's another thing, too, is that, like, this is this is troubling, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's completely over. Like, if PlayStation wants to put a focus on this, then they definitely can. Like, we are rumored to get a uh, showcase or something happening before May. It's possible they can put some games that we don't even know about that's vr into that i know i think I know, I, I'm, yeah, just, I, I'm just trying to give them hope i'm just trying to give them hope <laughs> so yeah it's like you know it's 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 possible is it likely probably not no <laughs> i think this yeah. is definitely going the way of the vita in that it's going to be a console that in the next year or two playstation is going to stop supporting but people who make vr games are going to continue trying to get their content on this platform to get out as to as many people as possible and hopefully it's just going to be a dedicated console for vr enthusiasts going forward which is fine but it's one of those things where uh, it sucks uh we will probably get a or number. i was gonna say or they open it up to pc because you know people are trying to get it working oh. on pc they probably actually open up the uh Whatever proprietary shit they got going on, because yeah. I don't think it's the market is there. <laughs> it's, it's not even it, it like Sean. Does the places in VR two have its own OS? No, oh, um, no and they, they already opened up the source code for it. People, so people are digging through the source code. It works on but that, PC, but, that, but that, yeah, but that, that then it becomes the thing that's unintuitive for it being a consumer PC product. In that, I if I want to play this on my PC, now I gotta do some fucking. Uh, uh, PC, like if you're a PC gamer, Matrix, that's fun. <laughs> on PC gaming already, Avery. <laughs> well, the fucker, I know, but what I'm trying to say is that there's a difference between plugging it in and being like, I my PC is recognizing this, like Steam instantly works because like they're compatible to a difference. Then I, I gotta somehow gut the actual PlayStation stuff inside of it <laughs> to get it working on PC. And I'm like, I'm saying the no, people they who just release these, a driver, that's that's it, I, whatever. Like, I, I think it's way more complicated of a thing than you're saying it is, but we can just move like, on. I think I think uh, Sean is saying that Sony can fix it on their side in terms of all right now we release something they just release some drivers driver to work on something. the PC the same way they do yeah. for any other thing that you attach to the PC. I think that it not having its own independent OS inside of it is a barrier of entry that requires more work than just simply oh we're going to release the driver. Yeah, it it won't necessarily be plug and play. Like you're yeah, gonna it, it have won't to do be plug work and play. on your side. It, yeah. You will have to do work on a PC before it works on PSVR two. Yeah, but I also think that the the other side to this is that if you're gonna spend five hundred fifty dollars on something, like more than likely you've done a little bit of research on that, it, so you know what you're getting into. My thing is, and why I don't think this reality makes sense is that there are already better headsets on PC at relatively comparable prices. So the only people who are going to be buying this thing are people who are buying it for console. And where yeah, I don't think they're going to want to jump the bells and whistles to get it working on PC, which is also yeah. spending another 2K on hardware to get this thing to work. Because the only thing you're missing out is um, the Horizon game, right? Because that's like the only big uh, exclusive. Yeah. I mean, there's probably other exclusives, but like that's the only big exclusive. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so, oh, actually, before we jump into the last news, I just want to give a shout out to uh, PlayStation for up to this time of recording they still have not announced any kind of mass layoffs no major layoffs or anything so they are still trucking so good job them for keeping their people employed thanks for jinxing it uh dj (laughs) tomorrow literally tomorrow (laughs) 
Sony employees, oh, no. Sony X employees, you can thank DJ for effing up your job. <laughs> can you imagine? You, look, okay, look. So apparently, this guy on uh, Press X Start podcast had called the fact that we were all going to get laid off. <laughs> Send your hate mail to him. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. Um. All right, ever you want to do this last one? Then we can do a quick. Yeah. Uh, okay. No, he doesn't because yeah. he hates this game. <laughs> That's why I wanted to step in his grave. Uh, that was, that's, that's a joke. Uh, this is from Zach Swyzen from Kotaku.com. Surprising fans, W Smash Bros. like shutters until 2024 with no refunds. We've been talking uh, in our various channels about Multiverses, a game I called out from the jump street that probably wouldn't have the infinite loop and was told, nah, man, it's going to kill Smash Bros. Uh, now we are in the earliest of 2023. And this game apparently was in beta for the last year. And, and Surprise. <laughs> And they hey, Fortnite it can do it, they can do it too. I mean, like, mm. yo, and they're, they're shutting it. <laughs> they're shutting all of its online multiplayer functionality and sh- essentially shuttering the game till an unknown time in 2024 as they reevaluate content plans and all things. This um, is. I don't see the need for refunds if they're just taking a pause on the game. I mean, you paid for a thing. This is. Something you must be aware of when you're buying digital goods. You're it's, you're not you're not, you don't own anything. You're paying for a license. The question, Sean, is is this a pause or is this their way of quietly tucking their tails and running and just like moving forward for this game? Yes. Yeah, so if the they are, is, they are. The game is free to play. So like what you're spending money on is like the token stuff to unlock the characters, which that gets kind of weird in terms of we are, what we is the about policy. This, yeah, we argued about this early on about uh the unlock stuff and the situation. Mm-hmm. And this is all mm-hmm. coming sort of like to bite uh, its player base in the ass, I guess. That's true. Yeah, like, I mean, there's two ways looking at it. There, There is the, I guess, pessimistic way of like, all right, you guys say you're going to come back. Are you guys going to come back? I mean, there, and there's also the optimistic way of looking at it in terms of, going out all right, well, yeah, like when you, when you guys come back, like, this better be pretty cool when it comes back. And like, you, there should be lessons learned in the game. But I don't know, man. In terms of me, like it, the, the game's not even on my console anymore. I, I, I have a very limited Wait, amount of space. So when did you delete? A while ago. He I, on I your have ass. to make room. He's on your have, ass. Hey, hey, look, look. <laughs> Call of Duty. <laughs> Call of Duty is like four games, okay? So that requires mm-hmm. a lot of space, and I had and to make you, some sacrifices. Did you buy a DualSense Edge before you added expandable memory to your PS5? I have a USB. That's ex- ex- expandable. No, he means hey, actual. No judgment. No judgment. Hey, no judgment. Hey, I got 32 gigabytes on this bad boy right here. You yeah, know what game is that going to hold? No. What uh, indie game is I that going to hold? I think it has like a bunch of Word documents on it. <laughs> oh my God. Um. Yeah, and no, I mean, I don't feel bad necessarily you just gotta <laughs> take that into account when you're buying <laughs> digital content you don't own I, I, I think you're, you're the, no, with no refunds is something that kotaku uh added afterwards and there's the uh-huh. only people i know who really talked about how this is an issue that there are no refunds with this game after their quote-unquote it ain't an issue. It. yeah <laughs> uh, but uh my my only my thing is the way the game is going out yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's that's my generally my issue is that like yeah. i don't necessarily believe a free-to-play fighting game is flawed I don't necessarily think that this was going to be the game that worked. I know how DJ felt about playing it, but I thought the mm-hmm. mobile aspects of it were always going to be weird. And then there's always the inevitable problem with these games and as their cast balloons out and how do you manage that coupled with, yeah. I think the biggest problem this game has is a content issue is that like, yep. cool. I love DC characters. Cool. I can get down with the Looney Tunes. Um, I don't give a shit about the vast majority of, Warner Brothers IP in a like a real space like why well, do get... I need to play as uh what's the name Stark uh Arya yeah yeah it's like oh, oh yeah, man yeah every like weird choice <laughs> LeBron James that's a that's a pull that that's a big PR pull to get people excited uh a cast member from Scooby Doo isn't gonna be like Velma I love you as a character in the modern age but like you you you're not setting the world on fire in comparison to like 
the day when Joker got added to Smash and people were like losing their minds. That's the other big thing that Ultiverse has had that Smash doesn't problem have. That at this point, yeah. Smash can pull in any character they want without the arbitrary rules of having it be a Nintendo character. Well, Warner Brothers is really stuck on their own IP. And like people are fans of those IP, but not the multiverse that they occupy, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like Warner Brothers is a big IP and they have a lot of known characters, but a lot of those characters are just aren't relevant right now. So after a while you just scrape in a barrel. Yeah. Yeah, because like I think the last character they had was like Martian and Marvin. And it's like all right, you, like, all the, right. I want you to flip what you just said. Marvin the Martian. There we You're go. You're right. That's exactly what I said the first time, right? But um, yeah, and it's just like I I know Marvin the Martian <laughs> because of like you know the the shirts that was like had him spray painted on it like way back in the in the early two thousands and late nineteen nineties, you know. So it's just like you never watched a cartoon. Right. No, I watched it too, but like I know I know of the character more so from the the urbanization of that character versus. <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, so you know, it's 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 it sucks for them, but you know, hopefully this will give them the time they need to do something with the game to make it more successful for them. I mean, this is a lot of time that they're gonna have, so it's possible that, that yeah, they that is, that is the question. How do you yeah. make this game successful? Because their first initial release with this game was a brand new character every two weeks. They're not yep. going to do that going That's forward. That's sustainable. Which means that all. what is the uh what is the sort of like uh the schedule between new characters? Because traditionally, other games, it's like every three months. Okay, cool. How do you abide your, your player base in between those three months to keep I, them playing? I really because, only think Epic could sustain that type of shit. I mean, it's not just Epic. Numbers, like, yeah. like well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, it's in the same space as a game like League of Legends, a game like Valorant, mm-hmm. a game like Apex Legends. And I, I'm comparing it to how those release those characters. And, like, every... I mean, as far one, as staff-wise. Yeah, I think staff-wise is what Sean's getting at. Like, uh, I don't I'll think be, the multiverse of staff I'll, has enough No, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm like still that. talking about the three... Like, what is what is yeah. the more realistic release plan? Because, like, the two-week thing was always going to be imaginable. Like, that yeah. was... I don't know why they did that so early on. It was uh, shot in the dark. <laughs> and then the issue there, get, like, a couple of that, and then there is the evergreen nature of Smash Brothers and the way Nintendo has marketed that game is that we could all play multiverses or we could play <laughs> Smash Brothers, which is the conversation we had the last time he and DJ hung out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, because DJ hasn't was playing so much multiverses, he had just forgotten that there were a bunch of Smash Brothers characters that he just didn't know existed in the game. Smash I'm never listening to DJ again. I bought Nickelodeon <laughs> All Stars because of this man. He had me excited. They got rollback netcode. I don't know if I thought you do that, Sean. I think uh... Smash Brothers is an everlasting gobstalker fun. <laughs> they got rollback. <laughs> no, uh, I'm interested to see if it comes back. I doubt it. Uh, I want to see where it comes back and how they release it because they yeah. have. Uh, they're saying they're not coming back until 2024, which gives them a year to make content to put that into this game. But like Overwatch 2 told me a lot that even though you spent four years making new content, I still haven't seen it all. Yep, yep. That, that's a good point, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. All right. Um, before we wrap this episode up, I just wanted to do a quick what we've been playing. Uh, Sean and I, we was knee deep in some call of duty dmz we entered we finally entered building 21 which is the treacherous zone of a building oh where it's just God. a bunch of high level npcs and a bunch of other players that are willing what to put the mother- <laughs> <laughs> so we had it we had a, a ball doing that that was fun um i actually recorded the uh the video so i actually accidentally put it up last night so i'm gonna make it more official today mind you it's not very long because you know spoilers we got our we teeth kicked in and i was excited <laughs> like again again <laughs> so let me run let me write it down let me write it down we oh right, yo go for it. i got building 21 keys let's let's go run some one let's go run some fades Ugh. first of all we tried to loot up in regular dmz you know just to get in there prepared Mm-hmm. And we just kept on. 
Like we had good starts and then we got greedy and then I don't know, like it was just terrible. We were mowing down other teams and they were asking yep. for help afterwards. It's like, no, there's no love here. You just We introduced bad karma. That's what it was. We introduced bad that's karma. What that's what it was. <laughs> Every time we just roll over people, take all this stuff, and then try to X fill out and no, just another team so, so rolls we, over us and takes us. Yeah, <laughs> so we finally make it to a uh, building twenty one, and immediately we're in a, like a dark hallway, and I want to say DJ goes down or Savion, my cousin Savion goes yeah, down. Saving, I'm just yeah, like he goes down first, yeah. I'm just oh my god, this is yeah, this it, is ridiculous. It yeah, because like nor- in normal DMZ, you start on a very like open map, and it's bright outside because you're outside, so you can like see stuff, like you can make your plans and so on and so forth. When you start in building twenty one. You have no map other than your mini map, and then the radar goes scrambly, so Fuzzy, you can't even yeah. really rely on that. So you really just have to rely on your team and like your actual in, in ability to like pick out targets while you're playing the game. So it just gets crazy. Like we started in the garage, and there was I think there was like two separate teams in the garage as well. So like we tried to go up the steps, and we just got like hit from behind essentially by another team and like we had to deal with that and it just became just a rolling disaster of like oh crap there's a team there all right let's let's try to take them out oh crap there's another team let's try to take them out and it's just we oh. died the first time and i think we tried to go on a regular dmz like six or seven we were playing this till like two almost three o'clock in the morning yeah. like yeah no we gotta have one more run we gotta have one more run yeah <laughs> we were determined we were determined yeah so yeah ultimately we we didn't we didn't do it but um you know, next weekend, next weekend we'll try. So DMZ is available. Originally, it was available whenever you had the key, but then twenty four seven you needed it. a key. Yeah, and then they changed it to just being available on the weekends to make it more of a uh, appointment event playing kind of thing. I, yeah, I guess to kind of consolidate the number of people in there, because yeah, maybe not yeah. enough people were earning keys to get in there. So now you don't need a key to access it, but uh. Like the keys are expensive. I think they were like forty thousand dollars, or mm-hmm. you could find a key on somebody. And I guess they're just the number of people playing it wasn't worth it. So I guess like like the, like the McDonald's McRib when you make it a limited edition, then that's when people uh you know <laughs> show up congregating. Like let me yeah let me let me get some of this while it's around. Right, right, right. Yeah. So yeah, and then like um the 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 big issue is that like once you lose all your stuff, you have to jump back in dmz to essentially armor up to go back into to building 21 and that was that was our problem because we had to armor up and then we would die armoring up and then we have to keep armoring up and then we finally armored up going to build 21 then we died there so we had to armor up again and like it sounds like a tedious thing but there's just it's just a lot of fun happening while you're doing this process so it didn't feel as bad as it sounds so it, it's this the addicting aspect of this is you're dawdling along, having fun, and then you see an enemy, and you have to make a split-second assessment of whether or not that's a real person or not. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that gameplay loop is very solid. It is. It is. Yeah. So, okay, that's Call of Duty. Uh, I just want to make a real quick uh, update on Wild Hearts. I am pretty much near the end of the game right now, and I had a great time with it. I continue to have a good time with it. I really enjoy the weaponry. I enjoy the monsters. They just released a new monster, but because I haven't officially beat the game yet, I don't have access to the monster yet. It's like a, a like Sakura Blossom, like fox type creature thing. I think it's akin to like a Nine Tails or something. Its its attacks are like electricity fused with like Sakura blooms, petals. Yes, like yeah, petals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it I, to me, it, it seems like it's like probably akin to like a Nine Tails thing. If my Japanese mythology is correct, the Nine Tails, it probably is a Kitsune. Did it have Nine Tails? I don't know. Because that's a different yeah, type okay, of Yokai altogether. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, you're probably right then. Um, yeah, it's really cool. I haven't got the party yet. I'm literally on the golden. Anyways, the Wind Tiger thing. That's what I'm doing right now. And, and after that, I have the Volatile Monsters. I'm done. The issue that I'm running into now is it feels like a bunch of people jumped on this game, played the game, beat the game, and moved on. It seems like finding online matches is becoming really difficult to do. So you kind of just have to just play the game and put yourself online and hopefully people jump in to help you out. Or you're going to have to solo the monster by yourself. And that 
kind of sucks, but it, you know, that's kind of the, the way that these kind of games go where you, the diehards really stay and they do it. And usually the diehards at this can solo monsters anyway. So there's not really a need to go online. So it's just, it's one of those things where, okay, obviously this game is slowing down, not necessarily dying because they're still releasing content. And, you know, when they release content, a lot of people jump on, play it, but then slowly, you know, it's that wave that they have to deal with. So yeah, I'm ultimately enjoying the game. If you are interested in getting the game, I would say get the game, but just know and understand that the online aspect might be a little tricky to deal with unless you have a friend that's also interested in, in playing the game. Then you can play the game together um, like Cameron was with me, and then he just kind of bailed off of that game, and he just plays uh, Marvel's Midnight Sun now, which is you know cool for him, but um, I miss the game. I missed it. It is. Yeah. It is. All right. Well, that is it for what we've been playing. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed talking about it. Don't forget, you can like, share, subscribe, dance, eat, all of that, and more while you're watching this podcast. Press X Star Gamers. I just see what I did there. I lost it, but then I found it at the end. Please. Do us a favor. If you are listening, leave us a review. We would greatly appreciate that. If you want, you can join our conversation at Discord at pressxnumber2start.com slash Discord. We hope that you have a good day. We hope that you wash your hands. You play games. Say hi to your parents sometimes. Say hi to your friends sometimes. And keep watching our content. Bye. <laughs>